This is Salave of Etymology Rules. This is the Etymology Rules podcast, and um, I want to thank you all for taking the time to listen. And those of you who follow on Instagram, on Twitter, um, on my various social media platforms, I want to sincerely thank you for um, following and being patient and just um, sticking with us as we build this love of etymology um you know i have been working on this book for quite some time and you know i'm in the final edits i'll tell you one thing um the late great tony morrison um she herself was an editor first um well maybe she was a writer first but i mean professionally she was an editor and um I believe that her editing abilities, as we talked about in my writing class, um, shout out to Chris Stevenson if he's listening. Uh, he runs the writing class at the uh, library that I attend, Petworth Library in D.C. But um, we talked about how Toni Morrison was an editor, and so while she did not write many books, she um, definitely edited her books very well which attributed to why her books are so good so rather than it's like crank out a whole bunch of books rather write fewer books and really put in the time and effort to revise and edit your work 
so it reads the best it possibly can so that's what I've been doing um I know another person who talks who's spoken about uh their editing process is um uh the author of the ever so popular uh, Harry Potter series J.K. Rowling uh I hear that she goes through many 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 edits at least like and i heard 23 edits if not more um so thank you for your patience uh etymology rules is still my baby my brand and um, i just want to put out there that understanding words is very important um it's important because we use words as a medium as a primary medium and so think as a foundation to having conversations and discussions about various things we need to be clear about the language that we're using and what these uh, what these words are representing and even what they have in the past because that really helps one to understand how ideologies and ideas evolve and I think that's important too um you know we talk a lot about I'm I'm going deep into things before I intended, but we talk a lot about trying to heal the world of various harms and issues that that we experience, things that cause people to live oppressed and um or feel as if they're and treated are as if they're inferior and thus they live a life that is a hell of a lot more difficult than others based on your race, based on your nationality, based on your gender, based on, um, you know, your sexual orientation, your, like, the way you love. There's, I think people are not really allowed to be themselves and be equal in that effort to live as themselves. So I think language is really key um and talking about getting to the root of an issue you know they say like attack root causes and i think language helps us to identify those things because it is um an artifact of the history of how certain things have evolved certain ideas have evolved so that's one of the reasons why i love talking about language and um that's why etymology is important in etymology rules. So, uh, I opened up today with um, a very long musical intro, but I just felt like to do it justice. I wanted to play, um, I wanted to play the opening of Chick Corea's Spain on, um, and so Chick Corea is, by the way, a musical is a uh musical a jazz pianist slash electric keyboardist and a composer and um that is i play the keyboard so i love i love 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 keyboardists and pianists i actually piano is what i played first keyboard um as i got older but yes i just love that instrument and so um he does he plays a style called jazz fusion and it's 
probably his most recognized piece. It's considered a jazz standard. It's on his album, Light as a Feather. And, um, yeah, that is, it's, oh, from 1973. So, I just wanted to open up with that. And, yeah, that is why. Okay, so, I've been really eager to do this podcast. It is going to be called Firefest to Psy Group. Oh, wow. Um, so, let's go into it. So, the Firefest is a... Uh, let me t- let me take a step back. Yes, the, I was getting ready to jump right into what Firefest is. The Firefest to Psy Group is... Um, the best way to describe it is it's like logical connections I've come to discover between different words and like different um yeah between different words and different phrases I should say and um I'm starting with the firefest and it's going to eventually lead to this idea of the side group um firefest I'm sure you've heard of if you are a uh, Netflix or Hulu subscriber, you know, you might have seen the Firefest documentary pop up in your feed, and so it starts there. And yet, the side group is a little bit more ambiguous, probably, to some people, but the side group is an Israeli based intelligence agency. So, what is the connection there, right? Well, there are little things called links in between, and these links are different words or phrases that um, I have come across. And so, yeah, I'm ready to jump right in and uh, share my findings with you. So, let's start with Firefest. The Firefest is, uh, well, there are two documentaries, as I mentioned, on Netflix and Hulu, um, on the Fire Festival. So that's what the Firefest represents. That's what it means. The first one, on Netflix is called Fire, the greatest festival that never happened. It was released January 2019, as well as Fire Fraud on Hulu, released January 2019. So uh, check those out if you get the opportunity to do so. So the story. A man named Billy McFarlane, um, he, is, he is a convicted fraudster, and he orchestrated the ill-fated Fire Musical Festival in April and May of 2017, along with Ja Rule, um, it was originally said to be taken. It was originally said to take place on the um, on a Baham on a Bohemian island called Norman's K, and that island was said to be previously owned by Pablo Escobar. That's how Billy McFarlane um, advertised it. Um, so. Let's take a step back about Billy McFarlane, uh, because you may ask yourself, how would somebody be, how would somebody believe that this kind of no-name guy would, uh, why would someone believe him when he says that he's going to do such a monstrous feat, and, um, you know, why would people pay money to do that, to go, you know, but I'll tell you a little bit about him, so, um, he is, what, 28? He's a young guy, 27. He's an American. He's considered um, a, a, an American fraudster. He 
he, like I said, he orchestrated the uh, quote-unquote ill-fated fire fest. He defrauded investors of $27.4 million by marketing and selling tickets to the festival and other events. Um, so prior to that, he had this company called Magnesis, and they had this credit card. It was, um, so it was considered to be invitation only, and um, it was supposed to be like exclusive, and it get, got you access to like a special apartment or loft where uh, other high-end clientele could come and like mingle and go out and party and kind of like you know creates a social group in addition to being able to use the credit card and it's supposed to also get you access to different musical events vip and all these things well you know just like with the fire fest he failed to deliver on all these things and so um you know that is kind of this reputation that he ends up building for himself. Um, it's like I said, the card is kind of like a, it's like a black card, um, with various social perks. Um, and it was really marketed to, uh, millennials, but millennials who were seeking status, millennials who wanted to be considered like on the cutting edge and forefront of the social scene, particularly in New York. Um, and so that is a little bit about this man, um, Billy McFarland. So, um, <clears throat> he, going back to, um, the island I was telling you about, it's supposedly owned by Pablo Escobar, the one that he, Billy McFarland was going to throw this fire festival on. Um, the fire fest, the, the island was actually owned by Carlos Letter Rivas, a kingpin of the medallion cartel that was founded by Escobar. That's Carlos Leda Rivas. Um, so, medallion, or med Medellin, excuse me. Medellin is the name of the cartel that was founded by Escobar. Medellin was a Colombian city from which the cartel name derived. And the name Medellin came from a Spanish town, which is a military base during the Sertorgian War, and um, the name came from Quintus Caecilius Caecilius, excuse me, Caecilius Metellus Pius. He was the Pontifex Maximus of Rome and the Consul of the Roman Republic, and um, his name came from Metellus, which means hired servant, meaning that he probably was a plebeian. Um, status um and so as i mentioned to you um i mean i don't know he just marketed this to create this sexy um sexy vibe where you know this being associated with es pablo escobar just made it that much more risque and i think these status-oriented millennial types, and we're going to get into, um, you know, my next word in a moment, but these stats, based on that, but these status-oriented millennial types, they really kind of dig that scene, so to speak. But it definitely was not owned by Pablo Escobar. 
Um, so Billy promised to build luxury, a luxury concert experience with all exclusive access to artists, gourmet meals, and geodesic dome villas. Um, he did not secure the island as a concert event or site, and he was only able to find a spot on Greater Exuma, which is a more populated island. And it was on the same weekend of the sailing regatta holiday, which meant there was no lodging. So the sailing regatta holiday was um, a local Bahamian, Bahamian, um, but local Bahamian event holiday um, on the more populated island. You can only imagine that this would be a no go because, like, where would people stay, right? Plus, he did this at the very last minute, so he had no infrastructure. Um, and yet, he posted an image of the Sandals Emerald Bay parking lot and said that it was the it was Fire Island. It was like a kind of like a schematic of the Emerald the Sandals Emerald Bay parking lot. You know, Sandals um, like a hotel and. Uh, basically somebody else's stuff it's not his own setup as he claimed uh the event production was way off he ended up using fema tents he had no as lodging he had no clean water he spent two million dollars on liquor but could not afford to buy decent food and so as you'll see in the documentaries um like it rained the night it was a massive rainstorm the night before the event the night before, the night before people were supposed to come, he had these t- FEMA tents set up all along um, whatever the property was that he could secure, and there were these mattresses as well. It was mattresses and FEMA tents, and everything was just soaked. And like you'll see people in the documentary being like, "I just knew this wasn't gonna work out." I'm like, "Well, why y'all stay?" You know, it's just <sighs> very interesting how people found themselves there. And all signs pointed to this ain't going to work. So, um, he ended up... Oh, and so the other image I wanted to tell you about is the food. Like, it was... Because I think this was an image that went viral that really told people how much of a fraud Billy McFarlane was. But it was an image of the food that he had... um, The luxury, quote-unquote, luxury food that he had promised. It was really... Uh, like some kind of uh, lettuce, tomato, and cheese sandwich in a styrofoam container. So, you know, that was what tipped everybody. The, those who didn't attend, that's what tipped everybody else off about how fraudulent this thing was. So he was arrested and charged with wire fraud, and he had dozens of lawsuits. And like I said, he defrauded investors of $27.4 million dollars hundred million dollar there was a hundred million dollar class action suit from the attendees because um they got there and they were like what the hell once they saw he tried to he tried to um i guess hold off as long as he could so he had them go to this local bar and they drank up all this woman's liquor which billy never really paid for and so you know it daggone near ruined her whole life well just with as far as her assets like she didn't have the assets anymore you know, he just sucked people dry and never paid them. And so, um, he tried to hold them off and then they 
they first of all they were riding these buses that's what that was actually their first tip off like wow why am i in a yellow bus yellow cheese school bus and i'm supposed to be promised this luxury experience i take that back well first tip them off was this jet with the plane because they're supposed to have a jet take them and it was like this little probably like maybe it might have been like a 30 passenger plane it was something small and um and then it was the buses and it just kind of kept going downhill from there and then it just got almost like riotous it was it was people trying to fend for themselves with very little supplies and very little um resources and i mean like i don't even think they had a place where they could use the bathroom and so everything got chaotic and people were like how are we going to get out of here because they didn't have enough um to send them back like they, there was there was not enough manpower and fueling to send them back and so um it was just a hot mess man a hot mess um he was arrested for wire fraud in connection to the fire fest he overstated Fire Media's earnings. Um, McFarland supplied uh, a Scott trade statement that he had altered to inflate his ownership of a particular company's stock. According to the complaint, the fake document showed that McFarland owned $2.5 million in shares when, his, when in reality his possession was worth $1,500. Um, there were also, there's also, so I would encourage you if you really want to know more about this, the I mean, I'm looking at the federal court documents. Um, so this was the Securities and Exchange Commission. The U.S. District Court for the Southern District of New York Securities and Exchange Commission plaintiff against Billy Mc, William Z. Mc, Billy McFarland, Fire Media, Magnesis, Grant Margolin, and Daniel Simon as defendants. Um, they... From at least 2013 to 2017, McFarland, both directly and through Fire Media and Magnesis, fraudulently induced over 100 investors to invest the amount of money I mentioned before, um, as well as third-party businesses founded by McFarland Firefest LLC. McFarland engaged in a host of deceptive and fraudulent acts in furtherance of uh, the offering scheme, including making material representations and omissions to investors about the financial strength of each of the three companies, creating documents that fraudulently inflated key financial metrics, including revenue and income, at each of the three companies, altering a stock ownership statement to falsely suggest the existence of collateral and securitized investments in the fire festival, manufacturing a purported but non-existent 35 to 40 million sale of magnesis to to, among other purported buyers, a third party that did not exist, falsely informing investors and potential investors that he would obtain event cancellation insurance for the fire festival and touting exclusive but in fact non-existent relationships with artists and talent. McFarland provided falsified income statements and some similar falsified financial documents to investors who, ri- who relied on them in making their investment decisions. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. It's wild, man. It's wild. So, um, there you go. All right. So, how did all of this happen? Like, how was this man allowed to get away with all this? How was he allowed to scam all these people? Um, oh, sorry. I failed to mention. Failed to mention. Sold the tickets for 15000 to 
told you he scammed uh, the people from of the Bahamas millions of dollars. The bartender and cafe was not paid for loan services, the construction laborers as well. As I said, how did this happen? How did this happen? It's travesty. Social media. He used social media to promote the festivals uh, using influencers. So that's my next word, influencers. There are several social media influencers who were filming the party at Norman's K and even more were paid or promised accommodations for sharing posts promoting the Firefest, Bella Hadid, Kendall Jenner, etc. The music, private place, women, island with drugs, sexy, beautiful people doing things that you can or can't afford. Um, it plays off of people's fear of missing out or FOMO. Okay, so influencers through social media allowed for this to happen. The rise in social media and the rise in Silicon Valley ethos make up, which is make it up first, suck up a lot of money, leads to a snowball of scams. Zooming, to, it leads to a snowball of, of scams. Zooming to brain via Twitter feed. A cacophony of sound on social media, which leads to financial guys investing and ignoring facts because of the noise of social media and the social media strategy. Um, so, influencer. Which then connects to the word influence. So, an influencer is, you know, somebody who... On, we're talking about social media influencer. Somebody who's on social media and they just are promoting... A brand, a life, I guess. You know, actually, the people who um, were interviewed about this had a lot of interesting things to actually say about what an influencer is, which I'm going to get into in a minute. So, the word influence comes from the Middle English word influentia, a flowing in, uh, from the Latin influence or influere, in, that means in, influere, to flow. It's power indirectly or intangibly affecting a person or a course of events. It is power or sway or effect based on prestige, wealth, ability, or position. It is a person or a thing exercising such power. That is influencer and can be influence. Um, you could also say it is an occult, ethereal, fluid flowing from the stars to affect the fate of man. The occult power emanating from the stars. Me loving astrology. I vibe with that. As a verb, influence is to have power over or to affect. It is to cause or it is to cause or change in the character, thought, or action of. So let's talk a little bit more about influencers. Social media influence is conformity, socialization, peer pressure, obedience, leadership, persuasion, sales, and marketing, according to Kelsman's um, from Harvard, written in 58. It is compliance. It is compliance, identification, and internalization of the message being marketed. So, influencers, are they predate, like, social media online. It, so, social media influence is all about those things i just mentioned conformity socialization peer pressure obedience leadership persuasion sales and marketing it's just that now that we have instagram and facebook and well maybe people say facebook's outdated but with instagram and twitter and 
um, all these medias online to be able to reach people in society more easily um, than our tools. Since our tools have changed, um, I think it's easier for more people to become social media influencers. But the concept has existed um, <clears throat> since 1958. It causes, it causes ideas, concepts, and desires to flow into the minds of the people. So power then indirectly affects who goes to Firefest and the rise of the number of people attending Powerfest. So remember, that's what influences power. Um, it is the power of the sway based on popularity. And that is a social position via images online used to sell a certain idea. And it causes change in character, thought, or action by selling people... By, um, but people selling, excuse me, all their belongings to attend fire festivals. So I don't think I mentioned that part. Let me take a step back. So these are the things, again, that influencers do and that really connect to the word influence. They cause ideas and concepts and desires to flow into the minds. That's what I told you influence meant. Into the minds of the people. And that's what they do online. They use images, they use their influence to put forth images that thus really have an effect on who actually attends Firefest, which then leads to a rise in the number of people who attend Firefest. Um, social media influencers, social media influencers, influencers have power and sway over um, people based on what's popular, and they use the fact that they have a popular position. Um, to influence people or lead people into doing certain things by and they sell a certain idea using images and this causes a change in the character thought or action of people because people were selling all their belongings to attend this festival remember i told you the tickets were like fifteen thousand to two hundred fifty thousand, and there were like perks that he kept adding because he needed more money in order to get this thing rolling um billy that is and so influencers monetize their identity. That is their work. Their performance of an attractive life is their job. And they, there's a study on normative social influence and conformity that was done in 1955 by Deutsch and Gerald. And they, they say influencers thrive on the need to be liked now. That's, that's, so that's how this whole thing was able to manifest. It's like through these influencers who thrive on needing to be like now, who are able to influence and, and, and use their popularity to make money, and that is their work. So thus, people will pay them to put forth various ideas that those people want to put forth. And thus, people like you and I buy it. Well, not me, and hopefully not you. But I mean, everyday people who are not influencers per se, unless you are an influencer. And I'm going to take a step back and tell you, I want to be an influencer in a different kind of way. So people who are not influencers in the typical connotation that we understand it in 20, almost 20, 2019, almost 2020. Um, these influencers that thus are um, able to affect people's lives by selling an image and then making people do things they wouldn't normally do that's what influence does um now i just want to say that i want to have 
influence, but, and I don't want to be liked, but I want my, I want you, I want my words about words to make people think, you know, um, and encourage people to do their own study and research and connections, make connections about words. So that is what I seek to influence. Um, so certain influencers who I learned about, Austin Mills, Alyssa Lynch, Seth Croso, who's William Needham, Finley, the fourth, that's a parody, Hal the Owl, Christophe Coley, Rose Bertram, Bob Scat underscore 200, Brett the Henderson underscore Kincaid, Anare underscore we underscore Ilson, Biz at NYC, Voet underscore Shed Table, Samuel Cross, Haley Bieber, C. Clark Beauty, Haley Baldwin, Fuck Jerry, Elliotable is the meme maker, um, are all influencers who took part in promoting the Firefest. Fuck Jerry, um, the Firefest turned to social. So regarding Fuck Jerry, the Firefest turned to the social. This social media market campaign team, and these guys are the ones who actually produced the Netflix Fire documentary. So I wonder what the bias there is. Um, I encourage you. Well, I saw it. I want you to watch it, and you let me know what you think. Um, Austin Mills sells a lifestyle of positive. Oh, this is what influencers say that they do. Uh, Austin Mills says he sells a lifestyle of positivity. Alyssa Lynch says she sells a lifestyle of health, wellness, and positivity. These are millennials understand. These are the millennials' understanding of a world shaping of extreme precarity, and now people want to construct their own reality. Uh, they want to be successful enough beyond accountability. That's what I believe, and that is what I think these influencers are really doing. So, from influence, we have the word influenza. Influenza is the flu. It is an infection. It is the inflammation of the respiratory tract. Fever, muscular pain, and irritation in the intestinal tract. It is from the Italian for influence. So, influenza is the Italian word for influence, which is an intangible visitation epidemic. Um, it's the first pan-euro epidemic. And from 17, it started in 1743, comes from the word influence, initially said to be caused by unfavored astrological influences. So what the flu is said to have come from. Um, it's an archaic, as an archaic term, it is epidemic catara and la grippe. Those are archaic terms for the flu. Um, but the reason why I wanted to mention influenza through influence is because it led me to the crazy term affluenza. So affluenza is the psychological malaise that affects young, wealthy young people. The lack of motivation, feelings, or guilt, uh, excuse me, the lack of motivation, it's the feelings of guilt. It is sense, it is a sense of isolation. It traces as far back as 1954, actually. I never knew this. Um, so I guess it was coined by Henry Whitman is the blending of influenza and affluence. And he came across, came up with this term when he was looking into the problems of inherited money among families that share his wealthy background. So there's a saying that says, 
um, and I'm paraphrasing, but if you, whoever defines the definition, define, whoever controls the definition kind of controls the ideas that come along with that. Whoever can coin these terms and give them validity, give these ideas validity. And so look, a wealthy ass person coming up with some motherfucking term to justify his problems in life. Because I'm wealthy, I have these problems. So again, we are trying to escape accountability. Um, Whitman says that he put the year he came up with affluenza um, it, back in 1954, around those thereabouts. But it became popularized in the 1990s with the release of The Golden Ghetto, a book by Jesse H. O'Neill who's the granddaughter of the General Motors president on the hollowness of the pursuit of wealth and by a popular PBS. So uh, Jesse H. O'Neill wrote a book on the popular, on the hollowness of of the pursuit of wealth because it produces um, affluenza. Different um, purpose for this word being used. Um, I guess one is using it to indict those who seek this wealth because it leads to these, uh, uh, to seek this hollow pursuit of wealth because it leads to this uh, lackadaisical approach to doing things in life and again, not being accountable. You know, she's condemning people because of that where um, Henry Whitman was escaping the accountability by claiming a disease. Hmm. Either way, both of them sound like they is an excuse to me. It was also popularized by the PBS special titled Affluenza, 1997, which explored the social and environmental costs of materialism. Um, Affluenza, the all-consuming epidemic, is a 2001 anti-consumerist book by John D. Graff, uh, environmental scientist, David Wayne and economist Th- Thomas H. Naylor view they all view consumerism as a deliberately as a deliberately spread disease and the book consists of three parts the symptoms the origins and the treatment um affluenza is pain the painful contagious they say that affluenza is the painful contagious socially transmitted condition of overlap overload debt anxiety and waste it is the pursuit of of more it is a quasi illness from guilt and um based on the social economic superiority you know again all this sounds like an excuse to me because when i see children black children who experience trauma get reprimanded and punished and suspended not that i'm against suspension and being held accountable i'm just saying when i see like super harsh punishments without for young children who without taking their traumas into consideration um i feel like it damn sure ain't right when adults try to do it i try to get away with stuff because they're wealthy the trauma of being wealthy anyway um and so how like this word actually became a lot more popular in uh, around 2013 when Ethan Crouch uh on June 15th of 
2013, um, a teen of North Texas was given 10 years of probation, 10 years of probation for a DUI killing four pedestrians and injuring one because the attorney successfully argued that affluenza was the cause of all uh, of all of the of the harm of the accident and so he needed rehabilitation and not prison they said he was unable to understand the consequences of his actions because of his financial privilege then there and so when he stole a beer stole his dad's car drove 70 miles per hour in a 40 mile per hour zone with a blood alcohol content of blood alcohol content of 0.24 percent three times more than that three times more than the legal limit and he was found to be on a valium tranquilizer i guess he really could not understand how doing all of those things would lead to somebody being harmed killed maimed by a car because of his affluenza so he needs to be rehabilitated and that will solve all his problems so explain to me why two years later in december of 2015 he violated probation for him and his motherfucking mom excuse my language but this is wild he and his mom fled to mexico so now he's being kept on probation until 2024. He spent two years in jail. He was released um, April of 2016. So to me, I would say affluenza is overconsumption, luxury fever, consumer debt, overworking, wa overworking waste, harm to the environment. Um, it's a psychological disorder, alienation, distress, where, self where people self-medicate with mood-altering drugs, and no mood altering drugs and excessive alcohol consumption um to me i would say that mm, that again really comes off as an excuse um to me affluenza is nothing but a whole bunch of bullshit i'm sorry that's what i meant to originally say i just started reading the I think this was um this is just a psychologist's understanding of affluenza is overconsumption, overconsum luxury fever, consumer debt, consumer debt and overworking. That part is what makes it seem too sympathetic for me. Um as in, you know, these people are working so hard and like they just want to buy and buy and buy and so uh because we live in a world of overconsumption then they get caught up, they get all this money, and they get caught up in just buying and having this privilege. Like, okay, what about, again, are you are you going to get let people off who live in a very harsh world of um, just trying to survive? Like, we're not even talking about people who are just trying to survive in terms of where their next meal going to come from or where they're going to rest their head. We're talking about people who can't help buying too much. So... And that's what justifies self-medication. It's just, it's crazy. All right, so from affluenza, we go to fluid. Because so they have the same root, flu. Comes from the French fluide, from the Latin flu, fluidus, from the Latin fluere, which means to flow. And with that term fluid, we get the term gender fluid. 
Um, gender fluid is gender queering, non-binary, not exclusive, which means you're not exclusively male, masculine, or feminine. Um, and well, that oh, excuse me, not having an exclusive masculine or feminine identity out of gender binary, uh, and cis normativity. In other words, you know we live in a society where we're told you have to be male or female, and if you're gender fluid, then you may be non-binary meaning you don't exist um, as one or the other. You can be fluid. You could be um, gender queering. You could, but you exist outside of the binary. And you exist as, outside of cis normativity, which says you must be one or the other. Um, you can express a combination of masculine or feminine, masculine and feminine um, identity, a combination of a masculine and feminine identity, entity, or you can... You can exist uh, outside of that altogether. Like, you're not bound to what uh, cisnormativity says you must be. So, other expressions include being bigender, trigender, pangender, or cisgendered. Um, you could also have a fluctuating gender identity, which is demigendered. You could be gender, which all this is to say you're gender flu fluid. You could also be agendered, and people who are agendered use the pronoun they. Um, there's a book that I read called The 57 Bus that I really highly recommend. Um, it's about an agendered teen named Sasha who experienced, like, really, really, really fucked up, um, trauma. And when a, a boy lit her skirt on fire on the bus, but the way the book is written, it, um, it shows the boy's own traumas and, like, it just kind of shows both people's stories, both people who are involved in this tragic uh, event that he was responsible for, the boy was responsible. So he was held accountable in the sense that he was made to go to jail for what he did. But they wanted to try him as an adult. And the family actually, Sasha's family actually said, um, I don't think that that will be right. You know, this is a young man. We don't want to take away his entire life. And so, um, yeah, read that book. It was pretty good. But g gender fluid was added to the Oxford Dictionary on um, September 16, 2016. So the second year anniversary of being added to the Oxford Dictionary. So once you're added to the Oxford Dictionary, you are considered to be, you know, the norm. So that's awesome. Um, the DSM-4 used to consider it or a gender identity disorder and then gender dysphoria. Dysphoria means difficult to bear, profound state of uneasiness or dissatisfaction. But the current edition of DSM-5, which is... Now, the DSM is a Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, um, which is used to diagnose mental disorders. It uses the term gender dysphoria when it previously used gender identity disorder, making it clear that they no longer consider gender identity to be disordered, but rather the emotional state of distress which results from the, from the gender identity. And thus, if you are um, living as an identity or, you, or you're being identified as, some, as one, that, as, an, as a gender that is not the gender that you identify with, then you would experience gender dysphoria. So from gender fluid, we get the word gender, which comes from the late Middle English, um, 
through the late middle language from old French gendre from the modern genre so gendre excuse me is the old French from the modern genre which is from the Latin genus which means birth family and nation the earliest meanings is kind sort or genus type a type or a class of a noun also is where you see genus in 1926, Henry Watson Fowler gave us gender, and it was used as a grammatical term only. To talk of persons of masculine or feminine gender was the meant of the male or female sex and either jocularity, permissible or not according to context, or as a blunder. That is what um, Henry Watson Fowler said. Gender is a grammatical term only. To talk of persons of the masculine feminine gender meaning of the male or female sex is uh, is either jocularity permissible or not according to the context or a blunder um the first origin of gender in western society came from j richard udry and this is um gender referring to people came from j richard udry in nature of gender from Demography, this uh, volumes three and four in uh, November nineteen ninety four. He concludes that the human nature is gendered. When I was young, the term gender referred to the grammatical. He says the when I was young, the gen when I was young, the term gender referred to the grammatical inflection of of nouns. In those days, we had three genders. Using gender to refer to the male or female classification was a joke. Um, John Money, Money and Earhart, nineteen seventy two, says that gen and gender is used to refer to differences in behavior by sex. Sex is used to refer to biological classifications, either male or female. Money was said to be the first to distinguish sex from gender in 1955. J. Richard Udry says that we use gender to indicate an endorsement of a theory of gender as a human social invention in the nature of gender in 1994. So you define gender as the relationship between biological sex and behavior. The theory of gender explains this. He says gender behavior differs from sex as well. And from gender, we get the word genius. Genius comes from the Latin genius, from genere. And um, genius is attendant, spirit, present over one's birth, innate ability, and inclination. Um, it came to English through the Middle English, genius in the 16th century and was considered a person's characteristic or disposition and it led to meaning a person's natural ability and by the 17th century it meant exceptionally natural talent and an extra an extraordinary creative process inspiration and mental leap tutelary deity it was also considered a tutelary deity or spirit of a person or a place Michael Mead says that rather than the need to hero heroically save the whole world, the real work of humanity at this time may be to awaken the unique spark and inner resiliency of, of the genius within each person. Winston Churchill in chapter one of The Celebrity of 1898 said, in the old days, to my commonplace and unobserving mind, he gave no evidence of genius whatsoever. He never read me any of his manuscripts and therefore my lack of detection of his promise may in some degree be pardoned. Mm. I suppose he's speaking of um, 
Hmm. Good question. I, th I guess that is, excuse me, that is of speaking of Winston Churchill. Hmm. Oh, no, excuse me. That is Winston Churchill speaking of a person and I guess speaking of what it would be to have genius or not have genius. I guess it was a parent and a person and and how they spoke and how they wrote. Um, but to be honest, there's no scientifically precise definition of genius. Genius, and it's debatable about whether the notion has any real meaning. McMahon in The Divine Fury says the genius is the Roman god of conception, a supernatural external force that imbues particular personality traits. And genium is a related noun referring to internal dispositions and talents that which is inborn in, in that which is one's inborn nature and they said that derives from the greek word um it derives from a greek word in which you see the word um daemonium it's a socratic word it's the platonic idea that the poetry is the product of divine madness and aristotle also uh, says that genius is the fundamental difference between the minds. And Cesare Lombroso in The Man of Genius in 1889 says an, an artistic genius is a form of heredit hereditary insanity. Only six geniuses don't demonstrate this degeneration. Voltaire, Machiavelli, Galileo, Darwin, Da Vinci, and Michelangelo. So, genius runs the gamut, as you can see. From genius, we get the word intelligent. Um, intelligent is from the Latin intelligent, intellect, intellectus, intelligere is the verb form, which means to comprehend or to perceive. Inter, coming from inter, meaning between, and legare, meaning, or legare, legare. So interlegare is intelligence in Latin. Um, enter between legare is to choose, so it's to choose between, thus to perceive, thus to perceive, a, to comprehend a thing is to take grasp of a thing in your mind, and when you perceive it, you kind of choose where, where to place it in your mind, and that is what intelligence allows you to do. Is the capacity for logic, understanding, self-awareness, learning, emotional knowledge, reasoning, planning, creativity, critical thinking, and problem solving. It is the ability to perceive or infer information and to retain it as knowledge to be applied toward adaptive behaviors within an environment. In the Middle Ages, intellectus was scholarly the scholarly technical term for understanding, and it's a translation of the Greek nos, N-O-U-S, referring to the metaphysical and cosmological theory of teleological scholasticism. So what is the human nos? This is from chapter one of Patristic Theology by Father John Romanides. The chief concern of the orthodox, according to the, this is from uh, obviously Father Romanides, and Patristic Theology will have to be coming from the Catholic Church. So. The chief concern of the Orthodox Church is the healing of the human soul. The Church has always considered the soul as part of the human being that needs healing because she has seen from Hebrew tradition, from Christ himself, and from the apostles that in the region of the physical heart there functions something that the fathers called the nos. In other words, the fathers took the traditional term nos 
which means both intellect, dianoia, and speech or reason, logos, and gave it a different meaning. They used nos to refer to this noetic energy that functions in the heart of every spiritually healthy person. We do not know when this change is meaning took place because this when this change in meaning took place because we know that some fathers use the same word nos to refer to reason as well as to this noetic energy that descends and functions in the region of the heart. So it was like this uh, discrepancy between whether intelligence, which was nos in O-U-S in Greek, was reasoning or um, something that comes more from this emotional place. And so... From this perspective, noetic activity is an act, activity essential to the soul. It functions in the brain as the reason. It simultaneously functions in the heart as the nose. So I guess the difference there is that today we would just say it is a, is functions in the brain, but um, it was a time that the Catholic Church believed it functioned in the brain and the heart. And there's more, but I'm going to... Okay, I guess I need to read this part. It's important. In other words, the same organ, the nose, prays ceaselessly in the heart and simultaneously thinks about mathematical problems, for example, as anything else in the brain. So that's almost like saying intelligence allows you to meditate and do um, mathematical reasoning at the same time. Thus, being a nerd is being closer to God. Let's go. Nerds for life. So, um... We should point out that there's a difference in terminology between St. Paul and the fathers. What St. Paul calls the nose is the same is the same as what the father called dianoia. When the apostle Paul says, I will pray with the spirit, he means what the father means when they say, I will pray with the nose. And when he says, I will pray with the nose, he means, I will pray with the intellect, dianoia. When the fathers say the word nos, the apostle Paul uses the word spirit. When he says, I will pray with the nos, I will pray with the spirit. Or when he says, I will chant with the nos, I will chant with the spirit. And when he says, the spirit of God bears witness to our spirit, he uses the word spirit to mean what the father referred to as the nos. And by the word nos, he means intellect or reason. In philosophy, so um, intellect, reason, spirit, Catholic Church at one point believed that those were all one. In philosophy, common English translations include understanding and mind. That's what intelligence is understood to mean. Or sometimes thought or reason in the sense of that which reasons, not the activity of reason. It is often it is also often described as something equivalent to the per to perception, except that it works within the mind, the mind's eye. And it has been suggested that the basic meaning is something like awareness. In colloquial British English, nos, also nos, which um, means intelligence, also denotes good sense, which is close to everyone every day, which is close to one everyday meaning as it had in ancient Greece. So, um, wow, this word nos, which is intelligence, shows that intelligence has this range of understanding that ranges on a spectrum from 
like the spirit to the mind which do the two have to be paired against each other but that's a whole nother convo from mainstream science on intelligence in 1994 an op an op-ed statement in the wall street journal signed by 50 oh let's talk about intelligence okay so who's intelligent who's intelligent who has intelligence who is this brain power well, in 1994, on a mainstream, from Mainstream Science on Intelligence, an uh, op-ed statement in the Wall Street Journal signed by 52 researchers out of 131 total invited to sign said that they, um, they supported an editorial, they supported um, an editorial that was called the bell curve it was a it was a study excuse me called the bell curve and there was an editorial against the bell curve and so these um these 52 researchers supported it and they did so in the wall street journal um the editorial was in response to the media's dispute of the bell curve released that earlier that year the same year many considered the mainstream experts in the science of intelligence Many were considered mainstream experts in the science of the intelligence endorsed by this statement. They contended that there are genetic and practical differences between racial groups that account for one's level of intelligence and social conditions in our society. They define intelligence as the ability to reason, plan, and solve problems, think critically, comprehend complex ideas, learn quickly, and learn from experience. They said the ability to understand or catch on to, to the, your surroundings, to make sense of things, to figure things out. That is what intelligence is. And they claim that intelligence tests can accurately measure intelligence. They say that they are considered reliable and valid, and there are different types of intelligence tests that all measure intelligence. Some use words. Um, and numbers and cultural knowledge vocabulary while others use shapes and concepts that require simple universal language they claim that the test is not biased and indicates one's level of intelligence accurately and equally for all native-born english-speaking americans there is still a great deal about the brain process and intelligence that is unknown but intelligence test scores fall um but intelligence tests can help us learn more intelligence tests scores were said to fall on a bell curve with the lowest percentage falling below 70 and above 130 respectively so that's below 70 is like you have low level intelligence above 30s like you are ha 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 a genius uh, connotatively speaking and the there's the lowest percentage of people um lie there and respectively, these scores are considered very dull or bright. The average person falls at the average range of 100. They say that Asians and Jews have a higher IQ, while whites are found to be average, and blacks and Hispanics have a lower IQ. And they said IQ impacts educational, occupational, economic, and social aspects of one's life. It does not impact the ability to abide by the law. And the odds for success are in the favor of the intelligent because almost everything we do in society requires reason and critical thought high intelligence provides an advantage in living a complex and living and doing complex work but does not provide an advantage in unskilled work when people of the same intelligence are grouped together one can see other areas that influence looming performance 
personality, experience, and physical traits, aptitudes, and talents are less transferable from job to job compared to intelligence. However, personality and the like are often considered other intelligences. Genetic and environment both shape intelligence, but genetics has a bigger role than environment, and family members can differ in their IQ. IQ is not fixed, and thus one cannot one can inherit intelligence, but cannot nurture it in a proper environment. IQ can be shaped by childhood, but starts to crystallize as children grow in adulthood. Grow into adulthood. Genetic cause differences are not irremediable and the environment caused differences are not remediable and no evidence of no evidence that IQ levels for the races are converging disparities in IQ stay the same or grow deeper and thus a 17-year-old black male may perform as a 13-year-old white male in the areas of reading math science and writing Hispanics are in between there is no reason for the differences among the race it is wrong to assume that the reasons that cause a discrepancy between people in general are the same reasons why there will be a discrepancy among the groups and socioeconomics only plays a role within the same racial group between groups if socioeconomics are the same white outperforms well this was announced in, post, in a posthumous article to the Wall Street Journal, former APA President Donald T. Campbell stated that 10 of the 52 researchers were indeed experts and several experts declined to actually solve the letter. That was in 1996. Stephen Gold, author of The Mismeasure of Man, says that the Western society has always tried to rank humans by, with varying justifications. Today, they use science to prove that social and economic hierarchies are based on innate differences in human groups. In particular, Gold's work focuses on biological determinism, the theory, he's the author of Mismeasure, The Mismeasure of Man, a great book I'm, I would suggest you read. His work focuses on biological determinism, the theory that society is a reflection of the innate differences between racial groups. Researchers use intelligence to measure worth between the races through craniometry and psychological testing. So, um, He's, this is basically saying that, um, this is, all right, so, historically, people have been, people have attempted to use intelligence in, uh, as a form of, uh, well, biology in general, as a way to, uh, prove that black people are inferior to white everybody's inferior to white, but black people are on the bottom. And intelligence was one of those biological, quote-unquote, biological factors. And so the, uh, craniometry was one method used, um, and <clears throat> that is measuring the, the size of your head and to determine how intelligent one is. And then um, just psychological testing in general also has been used to determine um, worth between the races. So Stephen Gold wrote a book called um, The Mismeasure of Race, and it is considered a definitive refutation to the argument of the bell curve. His book treats the argument that intelligence can be meaningfully abstracted as a single number 
capable of ranking all people on a linear scale of intrinsic and unalterable mental worth. Um, he treats that and, um, you know, he refutes it, basically. He shows that the abstraction of intelligence as a single entity, its location within the brain, its quantification as one number for each individual <clears throat> And the use of the numbers to rank people in a single series of worthiness invariably to find that oppressed and disadvantaged groups, races, classes, or sexes are innately inferior and deserve their status. In short, um, the, the book is about the mismeasure of man. Um, he shows that the abstraction is real. <clears throat> The abstraction of intelligence is a, not real, but it's a real um, issue because it can't be seen as just this one little thing that exists in one little part of the brain that then can be expressed as a single digit, which then determines inferiority or superiority based on your race. I think these are great <clears throat> illogical jumps and leaps that people are making. He says, the and, and so the book demonstrates the scientific weakness and political context of determinist arguments. Two deep fallacies of biological determinism are reification, which is our tendency to convert abstract concepts into entities, and the Latin res or thing. <clears throat> um, so he says that intelligence has been reified from a concept representing a human's multifaceted capabilities of making distinctions and div divisions among people based on systems dictated by political and cultural factors to a single unitary thing. Okay, uh, he says that has led to the fallacy of the G factor, which is general intelligence and IQ. If we affirm that the hereditary nature of intelligence is real, then IQ and general intelligence tests should be similarly for people, similar for people of close relation. <clears throat> Research has not proven that to be the case, and this would also apply if we were to view intelligence in terms of race. And if people of a given race have a similar IQ, how do you determine whether the environment has an effect? You would have to create an impossible and unlikely condition in which everyone grows up in the exact same manner, and even then you could not determine differences because genetic differences were genetic because of the randomized molecular and genetic because of random randomness in molecular and genetic development. This heritability, heritability is best used to determine differences of genotype and phenotype within a group, not phenotypic differences between groups. <clears throat> and so ranking is the propensity for ordering complex variation as gradual ascending scale. Metaphors of progress and gradualism have been among the most pervasive in Western thought. Social utility should be evident in the advice from Booker T. Washington, urging black America to recognize that blacks will make progress through slowly climbing the ladder of industrial, mental, moral, and social development, just like all race, all just like all the other races did. Ranking, so in other words, like we must climb the ranks. But if it's biologically determined, then it's impossible. And ranking requires a criterion for assigning individuals their proper status. Intelligence is this via an objective number. That's the fallacy is 
quantification. <clears throat> Thus, intelligence is a pseudo-scientific concept to justify the hierarchical nature of social relations in the U.S. It's rare for black children of any gender as well as the gender fluid <clears throat> to be labeled genius. Psycholo psychologists proclaim intelligence as a unitary crystallized measurement of one's mentality while golden others like howard gardner would advocate that there are multiple intelligences so why is it that the most intelligent human beings do stupid things that is how do we explain when people of european ancestry do and say unintelligent things i suppose the answer is we create mental defects to justify unwarranted behavior of the intelligent ones of our society inter affluenza and I believe it's an epidemic that is spreading like influenza or the flu in winter. But that's, there's no flu shot that can cure the moral sickness of those that justify their wrongdoings through their wealth. And with the national, with the national, with the nation, excuse me, of morally sick people influencing society through a career path literally entitled social media influencer, we can only promote the acceptance of vapid thought and elimination of critical deep thinking and discernment. This condition is the soil through which a fire fest can be can be fertilized and fructified, albeit fruit that festers that and rot and is rotten at the core. Thus is the link between fire fest and intelligence. Now, um, like I said, the part that is a bit more nebulous will be um the other aspect of intelligence and um, the other aspect of intelligence so outside of like people outside of people's understanding of um, intelligence as like being smart or anything of that nature there's the idea of intelligence regarding um, like spying so to speak Right, so spying, um, or espionage. And so espionage is the act of obtaining secret or confidential information or divulging of the same with the permission of the holder of the information. Um, spies help agencies uncover secret information and any individual or spy ring in the service of a government or a company or independent operation can commit espionage. And it's considered to be a very, um, like, secretive, clandestine type of an operation. And that is where, like, it's carried out in such a way where the operation goes unnoticed by the general population or specific enemy forces. And it's generally unwelcomed. And in some circumstances, it is a legal tool of law enforcement, and in others, it may be illegal and punished by, punishable by law. Um, it is a method of gathering intelligence, which includes information gathering from non-disclosed sources. So, um, spying or the espionage takes place in order to do, in order to gather intelligence and do intelligence assessment which is um, the development of behavior forecasts or recommended courses of action to leadership of an organization based on a wide range of available over or covert information. So, you know, you have these groups who do, who could, who do, who uh, gather this information, then they, 
they give the information to groups or the government so that they can make certain determinations of what they should do or how they should act. And primarily like the defense or the offense, I should say the other way around, primarily the offense uh, should be the defense of national or personal interests. And so um, the Psy group is an Israeli intelligence group that is said to have helped Trump win the 2016 election. Um, And the New Yorker wrote a couple articles about this. So um, let me tell you a little bit about this side group. Uh, They are an Israeli spy for hire outfit. They are most well known for their alleged role in social media manipulation. Um, Once again, here we are. That's the full circle. Social media. Social media manipulation ahead of Donald Trump's election and its spot on special counsel Robert Mueller's radar. Um, And they they actually got entangled in a local election of an obscure central an an obscure part of central California where um it's a woman a woman uh uh from a, Me- a Mexican woman she tried to unseat one of the town's hospital board members um because he was basically getting rich off of his position um while the hospital went when obviously funds not going to the hospital things are not getting enhanced as they are designed to so um the side group so this man hires the side group to assist in in kind of like doing spy work but also just planting all this misinformation and trying to take this woman down and so the article was mentioning that this is basically also what they did for uh to um uh with regarding Trump. So it is um linked to Mossad, to President Mossad, and this was the o- this was they say this was not the only time it expanded its practice in the US. And so the New Yorker published an article called Private Mossad for Hire. Um, It was Adam Entos and Ronan Farrell, which unravels additional disturbing details about the side group's other work in America, including a proposition to sabotage campus opponents of Israel and um, the out-of-proportion attack on the candidate and, and Representative Devin Nunn's home district. All right, so... Um, some things that they did that was kind of iffy. The site owners asked Newt Gingrich to offer services to Jared Kushner. Um, the group's owner, Joel Zamel, asked Trump ally and former Speaker of the House Newt Gingrich to get Trump's son-in-law, uh, Jared Kushner, to sign on for the services that included online deception. 
and one draft strategy from early 2016 that promised to exploit their powers of sowing deceit to more than 50 political groups, including the RNC, the DNC, and major super PACs that were deemed influential among voters. By controlling the messages these groups were sending to potential voters, they promised to easily sway the first Republican primary in the general election. Um, Intel's and Farrell report, Kushner checked them out, checked around with the team, including Brad Parscale, who was in charge of the Trump campaign's web-based strategy, but concluded that they didn't need the side group's expertise. The side group also advertised honey traps and low, low prices. The company's glossy publicity campaign, campaign included printed brochures with a price list for services like honey traps, which they depicted with a cartoon cat tasting the shadow of a lion to refer to using a sexy spot to get information for various targets, including in, according to the report. That also used a goldfish and a shark fin attached to its back to back up its model. Reality is a matter of perception. That's his model. Reality is a matter of perception. The cost of these services is um, about three hundred fifty thousand or two hundred seventy dollars, two hundred seventy-five dollars an hour. Um, and they use fake avatars to infiltrate think tanks. In a project proposal called Project Mockingjay, they designed an that was designed to influence the local Tulare Hospital Board election that I was mentioning to you. Um, the side group created identities meant to represent consultants. The fake avatars were then used to uncover and deliver actionable intelligence against those trying to unseat the embedded hospital board members who had drawn attention with outsized contracts with smug, struggling small town with the struggling small town facility. It launched later de- deleted websites to tularelyleaks.com and draintularayswamp.com to mount negative campaigns against rival candidates, promising that to the outside eye, the efforts would appear to be grassroots in nature. Um, and the side group's candidate couldn't even... So the side group's candidate was, um, like I said, he was already on the board. He was already on the board of the hospital in Tulare, California. And Alex Gutierrez was the woman who had, who, ran, who ran to unseat the board member. Um, and so her home was actually burned to the ground before the election, and the side group denied that they had any involvement in... And it, but you know they again were had these websites promoting all this like untrue, false information about this woman, um, and kind of like driving people against her, attempting to anyway. But she won with seventy five percent of the vote, and the unseated member was later found was later investigated for fraud. He refused to answer any questions about his involvement with the side group. But it was like they organized a concert and nobody showed up, um, is what a computer security expert who reviewed local data from the size group campaign told The New Yorker. And in, 20, in 2018, February 2018, the size group shuttered, shut its doors, but many of its operatives are thought to have been picked up by other spy for hire services with 
Israeli ties. Um, so that is the side group. So, um, you know, like I said, from the fire fest to the side group, um, it's a lot in our society, I would say, about that, um, regarding deception and regarding deception to avoid accountability, deception to avoid um, doing the work, and deception to be able to bolster oneself at the behest of others based on things that are socially constructed, a.k.a. race. And um, it is the language that we notice that all plays a part. And so, you know, I encourage people to continue. I encourage people to do like a little dive like that where you start with one idea and like I looked at the word fire. I looked at the fire festival and when they said influencers, I was just so intrigued by this whole idea of an influencer because apparently my a good friend of mine, shout out Victoria Mary, Victoria Mary, Victoria Moulton, excuse me. Um, she used to be Miss Merriweather when I first started teaching. When I first met her, and I taught with her. Um, she told me she taught some of my students at my current school for summer school, and she told me that some of them said they wanted to be an influencer when they grew up. And so I was like, well, what's an influencer? I just had not really been familiar. And then the Fire Fest kind of opened my eyes to that. And she kind of put me onto that. So thank you, sis. And um, from there, I said influencer. It's like influence, influenza, affluenza, um, which I think is crazy, as I noted. Uh, uh, fluid, gender fluidity, 57 bus, make sure you read that. Um and gender to genius, which, what is a genius, to another concept, which is intelligence. What is intelligence? How do you measure it? There's no biological determinist argument that you can tell me that supports, uh, any argument supporting black people and Hispanic people being less intelligent than white Jewish or Asian, which we see um, reflected in today's class makeup. I mean, when I talk about class, I mean the classes that people take. Like, are you taking honors? Are you taking remedial? Like, people don't consider um, systemic and systemic racism, systemic racist policies, things that um, happen in various neighborhoods, various parts of a city that don't take place in others, resources, resource allocation. So, you know, this has nothing to do with anything innate um, regarding, like, race and ability. And, um, yeah, the Psy Group and other crazy intelligence agencies are trying to sway what happens in our government. Um, So important to be aware (laughs) that's really really depressing I guess so on a positive note I think we should be grateful that we have um people around us if you have a good a good friend a good family member 
I just encourage building relationships, maintaining them. Um, you know, that's what life is about. Friend, neighbor, colleague, whoever. All right, so on that note, I'm getting ready to go see my family. Um, it's Sunday. Happy Sunday to y'all. And thanks for taking the time to listen to um, the Etymology Rules podcast. Till next time. Peace. Six and be solidly these iPhone.